I have the pleasure of, of preaching on um, probably not everyone's favorite subject, um, the subject of work. Yay. I didn't hear any, any cheers. <laughs> um, and the title of my sermon this morning is um, Work Matters to God. Um, believe it or not, uh, just a few statistics to start off with. Um, if you probably work a 40-hour week kind of job, just a typical working week, um, that's about a third of your day, eight hours a day. And that's probably half your waking life if you sleep around eight hours a day. That's a lot of time, isn't it, that we commit ourselves to a vocation, to a work, to a place. Um, I know some of you here are, are, are stay-at-home mums or dads or, or carers. Your job probably never ends. <laughs> it's like 24 hours, and, and that's uh, remarkable. Um, some of you here... Uh, maybe are, are retired and you've, you've finished your formal vocation and you're enjoying the fruits of your labor in, in a different way. Um, but yet there's something about work that God has established in creation that I want to talk about today. And the reason is purely because we spend a lot of time doing it. We spend probably our upbringing, we're training our kids uh, to go to school and to learn so that they can be self-sufficient and grow people. But one of the main primary reasons is that they can get a job and move out of home and leave you alone and, and be self-sufficient in some way. So in a way, we're, we're, we're throughout humanity, we are training up people, young people, to get to a place where they can work and, and, and be fruitful. And at some point in time, they will not be able to work anymore and they'll retire. And there's almost this cycle that, that, that's coming to our society. And um, so we want to talk about it. We want to spend time because if we're going to be a church, we want to talk about life. And, you know, this covers a lot of time in our life. Um, we also use work a lot of time as an introduction. So I would say, hello, my name is Ed. And you say, hello, my name is Colin. I say, oh, Colin, so what do you do? That's a natural progression, isn't it, of what we, what we have in our conversations. And um, I wonder why. Maybe because work is somehow tied in with our identity. Um, maybe it's somehow tied in with our worth or how we perceive our worth. Or maybe it's tied into sometimes even our status. Um, oh, wow, you're a, uh, I can't even pronounce it. I need a medical term. Some crazy, you know, brain surgeon. That's, that's amazing. You must have worked really hard to become an awesome person in that sense. So, you know, somehow society is tied in the idea of work with our time, our identity, our efforts. So as a church, we want to talk about it and think about it a bit. What is God's view of work? Is work something that is pointless? Some of us have gone through a time where work has felt meaningless. If you're in school, it always seems meaningless. Right, kids? And <laughs> pointless. Um, some of us have been stuck in a job where we've just hated it and we've not enjoyed it. Some of us have had wonderful experiences at work. Some of us are teachers, and we just want to get to the summer holidays, and then we're dreading September. You know, it's, it's something that's so intertwined with life that we have to talk about it. So I want to just really um, cover where work comes from, um, why do we have work from a biblical perspective, uh, what happened to our work, and then ultimately um, how we can redeem our work. How does God want to use our work for His glory? There's a few passages I'm going to read. We're going to start Genesis. Uh, Genesis 1 is really where we have to start when we think about the idea and the concept of work. Because ultimately, when we read in Genesis 1, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing before, and God worked. 
So the start of work comes from God. God is a worker, believe it or not. Um, we start by reading that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we know that God created, he formed the sea, he formed uh, space, and he's formed a gland, and he formed animals, and he formed creation, he formed plants and seeds, and every day of creation, he created something new, something unique, something amazing. And that is God's work. God's work was in creation. God's work was in taking nothing, forming, developing, uh, using, I guess, imagination and using creativity to make all these wonderful things that we enjoy on this earth. And then we know it's work because the other side of work is rest. God, on the seventh day, looked at creation and he rested. Was he tired? I don't think so. God never gets tired, weary. But there's a sense that he rested. There is a time of work and there's a time of rest. So work is already established from the creation of time. And what does that mean for us then? What does that mean for us? If God is a worker, God is working, he's creating, he's sustaining, what does it mean for us? In Genesis, I think it's 20, verse, chapter 126, it says that we were created in the image, image of God. Let me just quickly read it because I can't read it up there. My eyes are too squinty. Uh, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here we see a number of things in when God created humanity and created us. He creates humans to be like him, to be people who work, people who rest, people who create, people who use the God-given abilities that he's given us as our natural beings to do work. But not only that, theologians, theologians call this the cultural mandate. God charges humanity with, uh, with uh, it says here, with doing work, with doing, being fruitful, with multiplying, filling the earth, subduing it. Do you see how God gives humanity? He doesn't give that to monkeys or he doesn't give that to the the whales or the insects he gives it to humanity human beings to rule over creation to manage it to tend for the gardens to 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 work with your hands to use your minds this is a cultural this is a cultural mandate that god has given to us and just to make it clear that god has given this before the curse comes before fall before uh adam and, in, adam and eve sin and God calls it good. So just repeat after me now. Work is good. <laughs> Maybe you need to say it again because it's a hard concept to get by. But work is good. Thank you very much. I'm glad you agree with me. Um, man is created in God's image and work is good. We are to discover. We are to rule. We are to manage, to subdue. And most of all, what you'll find in Genesis 1 and 2 is that man's work his purpose and his worship to God are intertwined perfectly. Do you see that? There isn't a conflict 
Worship, work, purpose. These things intertwine perfectly. They all work together. It's not like, oh, I have to go to work and I can't do this or that. It's all worked together as, as this one beautiful tapestry that God has created for humanity. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that was our true reality in life? But I think all of us know that in Genesis 3, the, the story changes. Um, Adam and Eve, on behalf of all humanity, sin and disobey God. And, and uh, by doing that, they reject God as their king. And they reject his rule and his purposes for their lives. And what happens, there's a disconnect that happens. We can read it, uh, I can paraphrase part of Genesis 3. And this is what um, God speaks over um, Adam. God said to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles will grow for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your face you will eat bread until you return to the ground. How many of you relate to that image of work? <laughs> By the toil and the sweat of your brow, <laughs> you will eat your bread. So what's happened here? What has happened? By rejecting God, by our rejection of God, we've destroyed that unity, the unity of work, worship, and purpose intertwined together. I don't know about you, but uh, many of us have experienced the frustrations of work, the sweat and the toil. Maybe it's not sweat and toil. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's overtime. Maybe it's difficult bosses. Maybe it's use mundane meetings on a Monday morning at 8 a.m. Long, hard shifts. We experience the strain and the stress of work. And it's not how it should have been. So I don't know about you, but um, we can then have... As, as human beings, we have a natural response to our work now, don't we? How many of you are looking forward to Mondays? I remember the Garfield comics. I hate Mondays was his favorite tagline, Garfield the cat. And uh, it's true. Uh, sometimes our response then, because of this response, is our, our work becomes a necessary evil. It's like I have to work so that I can pay the bills, so that I can survive to the next weekend, so I can go to the next holiday. Phew, and the cycle continues. Or maybe work works out this way. It turns into an idolatry. We put our sense of worth and purpose, not in the fact that work is intertwined with the glory and worship of God. It becomes our worship. It becomes the place where we find our belonging only. It becomes a place where we find our identity, our status, our worth tied in with work. And that becomes our God. Or sometimes our response comes... It becomes meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. We read Ecclesiastes, vanity, vanity. All of life is vanity. What is the purpose? By the sweat of your brow, you work only to die as dust. That's a, that's a pick-me-up, isn't it, <laughs> for a Monday morning? Um, we get into work, we get out as soon as possible, and maybe, if we're good Christians, the real work starts on the weekend when we get to go to church and serve. Is that what our attitude should work should be? Monday to Friday, get through it just so I can get to the weekend and do the proper work that God has called me to. I think there's a disconnect. We all relate, I'm sure, at different times of our lives, different times of our working lives, different seasons, that these things are true and we've experienced them. But what I want to offer you this morning is a view of work that still says work is good. Work is still part of God's plan for your life and for His glory. 
And where do we find that? Where do we find the fact that significance can be found in our work? We find it throughout the Bible, actually. People throughout the Old Testament are working, believe it or not. But ultimately, I think one of the places where we find true worth is understanding that we're building a kingdom on this earth. God is interested in personal salvation. He's interested in people coming to know him. But he's also about establishing his kingdom. And what does that mean? The theology of kingdom essentially means that God wants to bring heaven onto earth. He wants, what do we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer? May your will be done as, on heaven, as in heaven as it is on earth. God wants to establish his rule, his reign, his purposes in your workplace, believe it or not, in your schools. He wants to establish his rule and his reign uh, as, you, um, as you cook your children's meals, as you tidy after them, tidy off, up after them in your office, on your commute. He wants to establish his rule in all of your life, not just on a weekend, not just in a church building on a Sunday. He wants your life to demonstrate his glory. I'm, just, I'm going to steal this, uh, this quote because it helps explain it so well, that your work can be redeemed. God is after the renewal of creation. Grace to you doesn't just change your destiny. It changes our whole worldview. Our entire basis for living is changed. We see through a grid of grace when we look at the world. Redemption affects every part of us, and it is through us God's redemption is extended into the world around us. Christ's redemption on the cross must transform our view of work. No longer is it necessary, a necessary evil. It is now a calling. Work has a great spiritual significance because it is a chance for God to be glorified. If we read 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it's on the screens behind me. Whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Paul also gives a commandment in Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So when you show up for your job on Monday morning, when you're picking up your kids' dirty laundry, you're there for the glory of God. God wants to be honored in all that you do and also how you do it. God wants to be honored in what you do and how you do it. So how do we take this grapple with this truth that God wants to be glorified in your workplace, in the things that you do, all of life? What do we need to engage with that so that come Monday morning we can power into work with this new revised sense of purpose. And the thing I want to bring to you is faith. Faith is trusting. Faith is trusting God that he will fulfill his purpose in your life. And I think faith often operates when we choose to have faith. <laughs> you can say, I have faith, but when you choose to operate in faith, when you choose to say, I believe that God wants to use my workplace. I believe that God wants to use this mundane uh, sense of washing and cleaning <laughs> and, and picking up my kids. If we choose to believe the truth of God, that he wants to be glorified in your workplace, that changes everything. Faith changes everything. The simplest of tasks performed by faith become acts of worship 
living by faith, our work done in service to the king now becomes kingdom work. I don't know about you, but um, I know that some of us maybe have had a view that the real kingdom work is on the weekends with church, leading worship, uh, preaching, doing kids' ministry, um, doing holiday camps for children. That's work, yes, and it is building God's kingdom. But believe it or not, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, is a place where God's kingdom needs to be established too. And God wants to use you to bring the king and his kingdom into your workplaces and to the people that you meet. So I wanted to share four uh, simple ways in which God wants to redeem your workplace. Now, each of you are individual. Your work varies. Some are in offices. Some are out um, on your feet. Some of you are dealing with children. It, all types of people. But let's try and just think in terms of how we can use our work and redeem it for God's purposes. So first I want to bring is that your work can be a place of purpose. Someone once commented, um, I love work. I can sit and watch it for hours. Is that what a work of, of view of work should be, just to be an observer? No, our work is to, we are to engage in our work. Believe it or not, I actually enjoy my work <laughs> for some strange reason. Um, I, 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 I help design buildings and work with architects, and it's very creative and it's engaging. And actually, part of our work actually should be fulfillment. Work is still good. Work should still, in some way, energize us and give us a sense of purpose and, and belonging and vocation and direction. Um, it may not always seem like that, and we know that God is, the work is good, but also it's marred and it's, it's cursed, and it can't always be like that. But there should be a, still a sense that work still has some enjoyment and satisfaction and purpose. Um, Colossians 3:23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus. Believe it or not, your work, you are serving Jesus Christ by doing the things that you do Monday to Friday. So there is a sense of purpose that you are building God's kingdom when you have faith in that God will do something in your workplace and in your work. The second thing that work does for us is work becomes a place of provision. Um, in the book of uh, Thessalonians, there's, Paul addresses a big issue of idleness people living off other people and being lazy. They said, the kingdom of God is coming, so why should I bother working? I'll just sit around. But actually, Paul addresses that and says, no, you're to be workers. You're to work hard. You're to make money. You're to provide and not be idle. Um, in 1 Timothy, it says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, the members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Part of our work, for those of us who earn money, is, is to provide for our families, those who need it, those who cannot work or earn money, our children, our relatives, those in need, and also ourselves as well. But also, I want to extend that call of provision to beyond just your close circle. Your provision is also for the wider community. Provision is meant to be offered also to care. In the Bible, it said that money was given to, to care for uh, widows uh, and those who are in need. And it says here in Timothy again, as for the rich, and I would say that probably in the UK, we are rich compared to the rest of the world. As for the rich in this present age, 
charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but to set their hope on God, who richly provides with us everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. Maybe that's your call for you. Some people are great at business. Some people are great at making money. Make it to the glory of God. Make it so that you can provide for others. Make it so you can build ministries. Make it so that you can share. Be generous and ready to share. That's Paul's charge to Timothy. So there is a need to make money. There is a need to provide. But that should not be our sole motivation. I remember when I started first working, um, I went to a conference and Compassion uh, had a store there. Compassion is a ministry that sponsors children uh, and the idea is that you partner alongside a child. Maybe they're four or five years old and you try and take them from that place all the way through to they're maybe about 18 when they can gain some independence. And I remember being challenged by by this verse um, back in 2004 or something, I think it was. And um, what you, will you choose to invest your life into? How can you choose, as people who have experienced generosity from Jesus, from God, how can you choose then to sow into someone else, something else, outside of our, your immediate needs? That's a challenge, isn't it, for all of us? The third point, work can be a place of transformation. Um, I think if you look at any of those surveys, I looked at a survey, I think, from the Wall Street Journal, and apparently uh, something like 50 to 80% of people are dissatisfied with, with work. <laughs> That's a high percentage, isn't it? To be uh, spending most of your life in a place which is dissatisfying. Um, but actually, one of the things that we can look at in our workplace is that it can be a place of transformation, both on a personal level, but also on a social level. Personally, um, Work, in work, you'll probably experience challenges that you'll never experience if you were to sit in front of a TV all day. Um, it's an opportunity for personal growth. How many of you have developed as a person over the course of your career? How many of you have picked up skills that have then gone, been gone and used to help other things, other ways? If you're in education, a whole point is that you are trying to be transformed so that you gain knowledge and wisdom and understanding and, and cognitive ability so you can face, face the challenges of this world. So some examples of this could be building your character. Some challenges build your character. Some people build your character. Building your competence, your abilities. Establishing integrity, building a character of integrity, not compromising cultivating new skills, time management, people management, learning to resolve conflicts, communicating with people, coping with stress and strain, challenges, but doing so in a godly way, growing in trust with the Lord. How most would ever want to pray that, Lord, teach me to grow in trust with you. God will put opportunities uh, to, to help you grow in that way. But, um, yeah, these all arrive from a place where you are working, where you're investing your time and challenges are coming. And believe it or not, also, God wants to transform your workplace socially. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill. Let your light shine before all men, that they may see your good works and praise the Father in heaven. You are a light. When you respond in a way that honors God, 
that faces strain and stress in a godly way, believe it or not, that brings social change and transformation to your workplace as well. When you act differently in circumstances to other people who don't know Jesus and you bring glory to him, it transforms places. We've just gone through this whole course on gospel-shaped outreach, haven't we? And one of the things that we've been invited to do is listen to people's stories, listen to the stories that they are saying in the workplace, in your place of education, wherever it may be, and identify and bring the gospel and bring Jesus into those situations if we can. That's what we're looking for, a place of transformation. But also work can be a place for mission. I put this last, but... um, where do the majority of men and women spend the majority of their time interacting with the majority of the lost world? Is it on Sunday at a church service? Probably not. Probably Monday morning in your office or Tuesday afternoon with the year eight class or whatever it may be. That's the place where God has placed you in society on mission to bring his kingdom to lives of people, you have the uh, opportunity, if that's the right word, you have the opp- God has given you the opportunity, if you're working in a secular workplace, to display the impact of the gospel, which has happened, impact on your life, to those around you, for th- a third of their waking lives, <laughs> if we were to put it that way. How can we articulate in the way that we work, the way that we converse, the way that opportunities arise. Let's just think about the things that we've been learning about the gospel-centered outreach. Let's think along those lines again. How can we bring the truth of the gospel into our workplaces? Uh, Dorothy Sayers, who was a, a, a Christian writer uh, in the mid-20th uh, century, says, said, the church has allowed work and religion, or work and personal faith, to become separate departments. And it is astonishing to find that as a result, the secular world of work has turned to purely selfish and destructive ends. Some of us compartmentalize our lives. There's church and there's home group, Wednesdays and Sundays, and then Monday to Friday is just secular work. We just go over the flow, do what we've got to do, leave, start the cycle again. And as Dorothy Sayers has written here, can you see then how work, the workplace has become the place where people just turn to selfish and destructive ends? How can anyone be interested in personal faith when it seems to have no concern with nine-tenths of your life? Our faith just isn't a weekend faith. It's not a two-out-of-seven-days event. It's something that should encompass the whole of our being, our working lives, our home life, our church life our social life. The gospel has to impact every area of our lives. And here's just some suggestions on how the workplace can be a mission for you, mission place for you. Be honest about your trials. Be honest about your struggles with work. Every single human being, their work is cursed. (laughs) They're struggling just as much as you. But what you have is the power of the Holy Spirit impacting and resourcing your life and a Christ, the King, who you know rules on high, how will that impact your education, your school life, your work life? Be honest about your faith. 
Be honest when opportunities come and be brave. Bring Jesus into the conversation. Hear people's stories and identify it with the gospel. Tim Killer, um, a Christian uh, pastor, uh, well, he's, he's actually leaving his church soon, but um, he's uh, a Christian author in America, says, Christians should be different from non-believers in the workplace. Christians should be the most hardworking, honest, and trusting employees, the fairest, the caring, and most committed to others. Christians should be generous with our advice, uh, generous with our investment, generous with our time, resources, and money, even outside of the workplace. Christians should be calm in the face of challenges and failure. Rather than storing up treasures for yourself in heaven, our treasures are hid with Christ, and we are known that we are precious to him. Christians should be authentic. Christians should show the good work, but also the reality of struggle and how we can shine and respond and identify with other people. That's our calling. Our calling is the workplace. Our calling is the Monday to Friday. Our calling is to establish God's kingdom wherever we put our feet and wherever we put our hands to. Again, just quoting from Matthew 5. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So work is from God. Work has been cursed, but work can be redeemed. And I want to ask you this simple question as we end. Do you believe in faith that God has strategically placed you in your place of work right now to bring him glory and to make a difference? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that come tomorrow morning when you wake up at whatever the time the alarm goes off, that you have a place of purpose and meaning, a place where you can invest for the kingdom of God? And if you do, how will it change your approach to work? How will it change how you pray in the morning? How will it change how you use your commutes? It's all big questions, but they're significant because that's where God has placed us as a calling. And I want us to respond this morning. Um, some of you I know are, 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 have changed work and some of you have, have different types of work and I don't know all your situations, but hopefully some of this ident has identified with you and even some of the struggles. And um, we want to be aware of the fact that some of us um, have gone through difficult transitions with work as well. But I want to ask you to respond in faith. I want you to respond um, and just ask yourself the question, do I believe that God has strategically placed me tomorrow morning, Monday morning, best of days, to fulfill God's calling for my life in my workplace? Maybe just spend a moment just thinking about that question. Do I believe that God has placed me strategically in my place of work to bring him glory and to make a difference.